Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Is there anything cozier or more comforting than homemade meatballs? And yes, red sauce meatballs are sort of the classic Italian-American staple in our kitchens, but this week we're going way beyond that because meatballs come in so many forms and they even come without meat. Hi, it's Sonia. And this week, Carrie and I are exploring all the different kinds of meatballs we're regularly making. In fact, some of my favorite meatballs ever, I learned how to make from Carrie. Back in the days when we were personal chefs, we sometimes catered parties together. And I remember this one party where Carrie made all different kinds of meatballs and veggie balls. And then she made interesting sauces and elements to go with them. Those recipes really inspired me. And so did this conversation, because what we're really going to get at today is how to make any kind of meatball simple and easy with ingredients that you already have in your home that explore different flavor profiles and cuisines and can be the focus of a whole meal. You'll definitely want to stay tuned for more about all of that. And also, we just want to thank those of you who reach out to us, who let us know that you listen to this show every single week. That means so much to us. And if you've been enjoying the show and you could take a few minutes to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that really helps us reach more listeners just like you. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Feeling cozy and warm and ready to talk about one of my favorite foods. One of my favorite foods too, meatballs. I feel like you also really helped me learn to love meatballs because we had a couple epic catering gigs where you made different kinds and I assisted you and you taught me a lot. Oh my gosh. First of all, I really appreciate that because I love the thought of meatballs, but I feel like meatballs are a little bit sneaky in that yeah. they always take longer than I think that they're going to. And I also find that most times that I make meatballs, they require more thought. Most recipes don't allow for you to just roll up meat and have it taste good. Actually, I think that's where we should start is do we need to define meatballs for each other? (laughs) I think we do. And I think we have to define a couple of things that actually make meatballs taste good. Yeah. For this conversation, I'm really thinking of anything that's a combination of a ground meat or a ground vegetable that becomes ball form. And I'll even include little patties that are round as a meatball because I think they don't have to be like perfectly round. I think they can be a little flat. But the idea is like you're almost making a batter of ingredients, whether vegetable or meat. Yeah. And I think we're generally speaking bite-sized. You yes. know, it could be like two bites or three bites, but you know, we're not talking about like a burger that's you need two hands to hold it, even when you're saying patty, right? Right, right. When I must say a patty, I just mean flatter as opposed to rounder, more of an oval shape. But yes, I think that's the distinction. Like I think things that are around golf ball size. Well, and, what about like a baseball size? Okay. I guess I'm just saying we understand these aren't burgers. We're not talking about burgers. Exactly. I've been thinking sort of about some of the ideas that make meatballs taste good. And I think it's worth kind of acknowledging that you need fat and flavor in a meatball. By fat, I mean back in the days of the fat-free craze or times when I was in college or whatever, when you're just trying to eat a lot of protein and very little fat, that doesn't actually create like a tasty meatball. When I'm thinking about a meatball, I'm thinking about it needs some fat 
content. So like an 80% lean, 85% lean, it needs 15 to 20% fat. Oh, that's so interesting. You're talking about at the actual meat fat, which yeah, I think the meat is- fat. When you're ordering a ground beef or a ground chicken, you know, if you get ground turkey breast, which is one of the leanest proteins that you can get, and then you think you're going to make a delicious meatball out of that, in that case, you would have to add a lot of cheese or a lot of nuts or something that would add a or lot Or of- a lot of caramelized onion. You can yes. do a lot with something that's a caramelized onion. Fair enough. I want to circle back to turkey meatballs because I have a way I do them that is very delicious and moist and all the okay, things I you're looking know for. That. I want to know I that think- way. I think that tip about red meat in particular, like this is not a place for a lean ground beef. And if you are using a lean ground meat in a meatball, you need to supplement that with moisture, whether yeah. that's milk and bread mixture that, what's it called? I think it's called a panade, right? Yeah. Whether it's a panade, whether it's, car- which is a mixture of bread and milk, whether it's caramelized onion or some other kind of like, ro- like maybe a mix of roasted vegetables, but we can get into the nitty gritty. I actually think of meatballs for myself. Like I make them a lot as we night meals. I riff on them and I stopped kind of using a specific recipe every time. And rather I sort of have a ratio in mind and I don't even really measure because I've done it enough times now that I can kind of eyeball it, but there is a very simple ratio. And actually oh, Melissa tell me. <laughs> Melissa Clark did this, did us the favor of recording it. And I have to say it's a New York Times recipe for meatballs with any meat. And it has over 3,600 reviews and it's a five-star recipe. So you know, she knows what she's talking about. And and basically for four servings, it's one pound of ground meat, any ground meat, half a cup of panko bread crumb, crumbs, one egg, one teaspoon kosher salt, and then whatever spices you want, whatever minced garlic or onion or scallions or shallot or whatever fresh herb you want. That's it. And that is kind of what I do. And except for I eyeball, but I always have a package of ground meat, an egg, some panko breadcrumbs or other breadcrumbs. And then I just see what's in my fridge. Is there parsley? Is there scallion? Do I want cumin? Do I want coriander? Do I want both? And I go from there. I'm so happy to hear that you kind of tested this recipe for me because I've seen that recipe so many times. And I think for me, what what doesn't resonate about it is its lack of specificity. I have a hard time visualizing the end product. And I'll just back up and say, I think that's part of what I loved about being a personal chef. I am someone who will eat anything. There are things that I like more than others. I will generally not say no to much. And when I was working for people, they had these things that they would and wouldn't eat. And so it gave me some parameters to work with. And so when I've seen this recipe, it's almost like it's a little too open, but I love the way that what you just described. I kind of know how it works. And then I just open up my fridge or I think like, what do I have? Am I more in the mood for chili powder or and cumin today or coriander and Ras El Hanout? Yeah. I mean, I just think like if I have a package of ground meat in my freezer or my fridge, this is a good starting point. And then it just, and again, I think we're speaking to two different kinds of cooks sometimes. You and I are not the same in the kitchen, which is why I love talking to you because I learned so much more from you because we're not the same. And so for me, maybe some blank canvas recipe works better, but for you, you're going to introduce us, I already know, to some great, very specific recipes that are worth following, which is a skill to find. So I actually curious what you have for us 
first. All right. Well, I have a bomb recipe to start with. Are you ready? And I'll just say uh, from the top, when I think about meatballs, I'm always thinking about some kind of Italian meatball and I'm offering none of that today. And the first one, I would say it's a sleeper hit, except it is a New York Times recipe and there are over 10,000 positive reviews for this one. And in some ways, I'm so wooed by it because I don't exactly know why it tastes so good, but it's a Korean barbecue style meatball. It's made with beef Mm -hmm. and it has the simplest ingredients. There's soy sauce, garlic, scallion, and then they call for crushed Ritz crackers. So there's no egg in it. And I've literally, I've literally never used a crushed Ritz cracker in this recipe. I always have Hanco on hand. So that's what I use instead of the Ritz crackers. Because I don't have Ritz crackers usually on hand. I generally don't have Ritz crackers on hand either. And this is a recipe I make a lot. Do you Um, really? I do because it's honestly so easy. And one of the things that I think is really important in a simple recipe like this, I think the details are super duper important. This recipe is by a food writer called Kay Chun. And her suggestion is that you should get ground beef that is 80 to 85% lean, which means that 80 to 85% is beef and then the other part is fat. And that is, I think, one of the things that makes this recipe so delicious and probably makes the egg not necessary because if you have the fat and the soy sauce and then the Ritz crackers or panko breadcrumbs, they create kind of this little sauce. The scallions and the garlic round out all that flavor. But a word that you used recently is alchemy. We, you were using that word when we were talking about cabbage. And there is an alchemy in this in this recipe that just like does not make sense to me. But when you taste it, you're like, oh my. And those 10,000 reviews really speak volumes about how delicious it is. We eat this with a side of steamed rice and a side of kimchi. Well, that so was going like, to be my next question. What comes with it? You need so little. You, it's like such a great weeknight meal. If you have any ground beef in your freezer, you can thaw it out the day before or the day of and use it. It doesn't really require a trip to the grocery store if you just generally keep some of this stuff on hand. And it really is so tasty. Okay, here's an important question. Is this the re- a recipe where you pan sear the meatballs or is this a stick it in the oven meatball? That's such a good question. I almost always bake my meatballs. I almost You're not into do. pan searing. It's so messy and it's it, so messy. Drives me, it drives me crazy. And we talked about this, I think in a different episode, there is a restaurant in New York called The Meatball Shop and they wrote a cookbook and they sort of swear by the technique of they say bake your balls. And I almost always bake my meatballs. Like there's just almost never a time when I don't. I mean, I would also say this isn't technically a recipe, but one of the things I also like to do, and I would recommend this if you have a really good sausage, like a sausage that's homemade, if you have a really good butcher shop. So I have a farmer that makes some of the most incredible Italian pork sausage that I've ever tasted in my life. It doesn't require me to add anything to it. It has enough garlic, enough oregano, enough fennel in it. And so I just take that sausage and I roll it up into little balls and I put that in the oven on a sheet pan and I get it going and it has so much fat in it that after it's been cooking a little bit, there's enough fat on the pan that then I usually throw something else in there like broccoli and I move it around so that the broccoli kind of gets coated and all that pork fat. (laughs) You eat that with a side of rice or just salad or whatever. Mashed potatoes would even be good. Oh my gosh. I never thought to do it on mashed potatoes. That sounds delicious. That's such a great tip. I mean, I love a thing where there's nothing to make. You're just rolling it into balls and then that's the basis of your whole meal. So my first meatball is sometimes goes into a different category than a meatball and sometimes 
sometimes takes the form of a meatball. But you're already pushing the definition. I, I see. Well, you know I have to. <laughs> you know you know my style. You know what I, I'm like. But also, I, like you, when I was thinking about our conversation today, I just wasn't thinking about Italian meatballs. I was thinking about all the other things that aren't Italian meatballs, even though yes. I love a good Italian meatball. You know, I think there's a lot been that's been said and done about that already. Agreed. So I was thinking about what do I often crave? And this is something I do legitimately make at home. You know, I have my beautiful lamb purveyor at the oh, at the farmer's yes. the market. Lamb, the lamb farmer. What, what did you say before? Like the lamb uh, farmer that I'm, you're wooed by his salt. Oh, and I was seduced by the lamb seduced. farmer. <laughs> I mean, it's a little, a little silly, but he is, he is lovely. And you know, whether it's at the farmer's market or just at the butcher counter at your market, wherever you get it, I really like to get ground lamb on occasion. I just think it mixes it up. It's not an ingredient we tend to buy that often. Yes. So when I get it, I want to do something a little fun or special, but like any ground meat, you don't have to do a lot to it to make it good. That's the beauty of ground meat is that it can make a quick meal. So I love to make kofta, kofta meatballs in particular. So kofta, kofta it has different pronunciations. It comes from Persia, from Turkey, uh, from the Middle East. I don't know who invented it to begin with. And in Turkey, they'll often even make it meatball size. So sometimes it's made, lamb kofta is made into those long, thin patties that they put oh, on skewers. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It depends who's making it. It's often made with lamb, but you can also mix it with ground beef. So you can do that fattiness because lamb yeah. is leaner. So mixing yes. it with ground beef is really nice, especially like an 80, 85% ground beef like we've talked about with a lamb that's going to be inherently leaner. But I've gotten away with just using lamb because sometimes I don't have both on hand. I think you just answered one of my questions for us today too, which is can you mix proteins in a meatball? The, Not only it, can you, but you can you get should, a lot out but, of that. But yeah. you should, yeah. That you're adding this really great beef with its fat to a leaner cut of meat. But the flavor of lamb is different than ground beef. Because ground beef, I think, kind of fades into the background than when you, when you mix it with lamb. Yeah, and I I think going back to alchemy, the flavor of like a caramelized ground lamb is very different than the flavor of a caramelized ground beef. Yeah, and I, I love the nuttiness and richness of a lamb. It's different. You'll find even kofta meatballs made with just beef. Like it's not, and certainly I bet you could even make versions of the spice profiles with other ground meats, but it has cumin, it has coriander, it has pepper, sometimes it has chili pepper. It really depends on who's making it. So there's not just one way to make this recipe. But you know, for me, it has to have a lot of cumin, coriander. I'll often add fresh parsley to the mix. Do you add any other fresh herbs too? Like do you add any mint or do you add any you, cilantro? You can absolutely add mint and people do. I use, you know, the typical things like an egg as well to bind it all. You don't always see it with a breadcrumb, this recipe. It doesn't okay. always have that. It's, but more, I, it's more like meat centric. Yeah. I Although okay. I tend to add it because again, I tend to just freestyle these things, but I always do onion. And for this, one other tip is I really like to grate onion into a kofta <laughs> instead of dice it. It's like you're reading my mind because I have been making a lamb meatball with a client for a long time and we have riffed on this recipe. It's a Middle Eastern meatball. It's actually very, very green. It has tons of parsley, tons of mint, tons of cilantro in it. And the key that we've discovered is the, the grating of the onion plus adding a lot of chopped garlic. Grating the onion actually 
actually, I think, makes it more moist. I don't it know. Does. If it does That's something why, to the right exactly. To the onion. That's okay. what it, one. It makes it a different texture. It's wetter for sure. Yes, than onion. It's, it's so it adds moisture, but also it sort of distributes the onion flavor better because mm, it really seeps into the meat. So, and then the same token, if I'm putting garlic into meatball, I like to microplane it. I microplane it too because yes. I well, especially if I'm cooking with this client, it's usually 40 people are coming to her house. Chopping all that garlic takes so long. And so I'd rather just microplane it. It's so the same thing. It's the- It distributes it. It, mm-hmm. it distributes it because it's so much finer and juicier yeah. than a chopped garlic. There is a different chemical reaction to microplaning than there is to a garlic press than there is to chopping. Each of these releases different flavors. That's the food science for real. So in a meatball, I always microplane garlic. But yeah, that's it. And then you can either pan fry these or you can put them in the oven. And sometimes I pan fry because I love a good crust and then I'll stick a lid on the pan. So right. I definitely do that. But I, I like you, really love the, the simplicity of rolling it into balls, sticking it in a cast iron pan, something yeah. that has a dark bottom so it gets crusty. It gets I crusty. love that. I'll serve it with either like a roasted vegetable or again, a pita pocket is great for this or just rice and a salad. Do you ever do a sauce with this meatball? Because Definitely. I think the the answer to my lamb meatball experience is that in addition to really loving this, we we actually would do lamb and dark meat turkey. But the other part of this that is my favorite thing is we make this super green yogurt sauce to go with that. Again, has tons and tons of herbs in it and a little bit of garlic and lemon and coriander and a little bit of cumin. And it's just so fresh. Yeah, I always like to make a sauce with something like this in general. And for these ones, I often make a tahini sauce of some I kind. I knew it. Yeah. I knew you Mostly because I don't usually do dairy with the meat, but a yogurt sauce right. is actually classic and delicious. And so I do a tahini sauce with tons of mint and dill or parsley or whatever I have around. Or if it's a busy night, I'll just do tahini, water, and lemon. Just that creaminess and nuttiness goes so, so nice. You don't need much more than that. No. And then I just love to have a hot sauce on the side. And low key, I love a Frank's Red Hot <laughs> sauce with a with a meatball. I love a tangy vinegar. The vinegar. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The vinegar. I knew that you would have a great tahini sauce. That creaminess is so nice with a it's, meatball. It just, you want that. And it just adds that one more element that makes the meal feel special. Okay, what do you have for us next? And this is something that you and I did together when we were catering. I actually went back and looked up the menus. So we were catering for a family in Beverly Hills. It was one of my clients. And we made all these different meatballs. And, and this is sort of like a callback to this episode, the bean episode, bean and lentil episode, where we talked about those lentil meatballs. At that dinner, I also served chicken meatballs. And one of the things that I did, and I don't remember why I decided to do this, but I went to my butcher and I got all this dark meat chicken on the bone with the skin, thighs and drumsticks. And I asked them to clean all the meat off the bones and then grind it fresh. Wow. And because what I was worried about with catering was we had to make all these meatballs ahead of time and then reheat them. So what I really wanted to do was make sure that there was like a lot of fat and a lot of flavor in them. And so having your meat ground fresh, especially if you are cooking for a lot of people, I wouldn't do this for like my family on a weeknight. It was sort of like a bonus. The texture was really great. And then I ended up with all of those bones, which then I could use for my broth. How um, amazing. Wait, I remember this night very well. One, I remember that those were complicated meatballs, all the meatballs, and that it took some effort to make the mixture and then to form them yeah. all. It was a huge party. But what I can't remember about the chicken ones was 
is what was the flavor profile in them? We did kind of a more classic Italian. It was like chicken, garlic, fennel was one of the flavors. And then we did a spicy chicken, which which I mixed all of this jardinere. We wow. I pulled jardinere. It was like, you know, which jardinere. Like a veg- hot- yes, a hot pickled vegetable. I pulled them all out of the oil and then I chopped them super finely and I mixed that into the mixture. And it was so genius. By the way, that's so inspiring because I have a jar of Mama Lil's hot peppers in my fridge, which is the hot pepper of Oregon. Like people love it here. (laughs) It's so good. And I never thought to chop those up and put them in a meatball, but you're blowing my mind. And actually you could add fennel seeds to that and make like- You totally could. And fennel seeds, I think, is an unsung hero of a meatball. It's a great addition. Yeah. It's such a great addition. So it's like tangy and rich and spicy. And with all of those meatballs, the two chicken ones and then the lentil ones, we made a collard green pesto. I very much remember the pesto because it was insane and it really tied it all together. And it took it from like a weeknight meal to a party meal. And also because they were all small bites, I didn't want people to be trying to dip their meatballs in tomato sauce and then having that maybe drip on their clothes. And so that's why we chose to do the pesto because pesto has is so rich in flavor as well. Just a little bit of it goes a long way. It was dotted on top. It was dotted. Yeah, it was dotted And it kind of sat there. It wasn't like so loose. It was a thicker pesto that like wasn't going to drip. Yeah, and then it added that freshness too. By the way though, any kind of pesto, any chimichurri, any herb sauce. Chimichurri, that's a great one too. Yes. They work so well with meatballs. And in fact, sometimes it's just great to take if you have some like kind of bunch of fresh herbs that are just on their way out and you stick it in a food processor with some garlic and lemon and oil. You don't need much more than that. And it can be anything, cilantro, parsley, basil, a mix of things. That's an herb sauce and it works great. And, you know, depending on what you're serving it with, you can use tahini with that, mayonnaise, like even if you have a vegan mayonnaise, you can do yogurt, whatever you kind of have on hand, you can mix that into a sauce. You know, and you brought up this other thing about freshly ground meat, which I think is such an amazing point. It really does make a difference. And of course, it's not like an everyday choice and probably has a higher cost if you're asking your butcher to do that. But it reminds me of, it's not the greatest way to grind meat, but if you're in a pinch, you can do this in a food processor. You can take (laughs) chicken thighs and pulse them in a food processor and get close to a ground meat mixture. I don't know why you would need this, but it is possible. And it will be a little bit different of a texture than if you use a meat grinder. But have you ever seen also those like KitchenAid attachments that are home meat grinders? You can do that. And it does make an incredible ground meat to do it on your own at home. And then the texture is a little different in a good way, I think. You know, I think sometimes these grocery store ground meat, it can be too fine. And then it's almost, I don't know, then you're kind of like, well, what is this mixture? I'm not sure. So I tend to like a rougher grind. Or like maybe it's more that it's aerated, that it's not so compact. It's just come out of a grinder. So it hasn't sunk in its own weight. So so wait, tell me what your next one is. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite meatball of all time. And I can't remember if we've talked about it here or not, but I've definitely talked about it on my Instagram. It's called Tiftelia. It's a Ukrainian and Soviet and Russian meatball that my grandmother always made for me growing up. And it's a rice and meat. 
meatball. Like that's one of the components. It's not just meat. And you're using cooked rice and ideally even a leftover rice is amazing here. So it's different than Italian meatball, but it's obviously a close cousin because it is a meatball that you cook in a red sauce, but all the flavor profiles are different. The meatball mixture itself is my grandmother always used ground chicken or ground turkey. So back to the lean ground turkey, you can totally use a lean ground turkey in this recipe because it's not a hundred percent meat. And so you're combining it with rice and then it's combining being cooked it with rice. in this like sort of succulent sauce. So exactly. it's not going to make as big of a difference that you have a lean meat. Yeah, exactly. So you okay. combine, so you've you offered an exception to my I'm role. offering an exception. You can use a lean ground chicken. You can use a lean ground turkey. Although I tend to love this with dark ground chicken. It's my favorite. Okay. And I think probably what she used. Basmati or jasmine rice is ideal for this like a long grain white rice, okay. onion, garlic, salt and pepper. That's basically it for the meatball and an egg. Very, very simple. Do you saute your onion and garlic or like this is all just going into a bowl? This is all just going into a bowl. Okay. But before you even make your meatball, the order of this recipe and the order really makes sense is you make a red sauce and it's not an Italian red sauce. It is very different. So the base of the sauce, and this is really the hardest part of the recipe and what makes it not a weeknight meal, but what makes it one of my favorite make-ahead meals, like it freezes beautifully. You can make a big batch at once. It reheats beautifully. And it's something we always served at my deli. Like people love this at the deli. You can find the recipe in my cookbook. It's like one of my staples. So basically you make a red sauce, but you're going to appreciate this. The base of it is basically caramelized onion. Oh my gosh. So just like your tomato soup, right? (laughs) Just like your tomato soup, the bulk of this flavor, the richness is coming from taking the time to caramelize onion. Then to that caramelized onion, you add shredded carrot and garlic. Sweetness and garlic. Then you're adding your crushed tomatoes, your tomato puree. But I also add a good amount of water because you want to start with a loose sauce. Okay. That's the sauce basically. And some oregano, you can add bay bay leaf if you want. Is there bay? Yeah. I feel like one of the things I loved about your cabbage rolls is the bay leaf flavor in that tomato sauce. I feel like I forgot to put bay leaf in the recipe in my book, but that, (laughs) because I don't think that we did it at the restaurant and that's why, but at home, I'll often add a bay leaf to this. So basically you make the sauce. After you do the work of caramelizing the onion, everything else happens fast. And while that liquidy tomato sauce is coming to simmer, that's when you make the meatball batter. Then, and here's what I love most about this recipe, you drop the meatballs directly into the simmering sauce. It's a drop meatball. It's a drop meatball. No, there's no like There's no other pan. There's no baking it off first. You're making these into balls. You're dropping them into the simmering oh, sauce. So this now is a you know recipe why, for me for sure. <laughs> right? So now you know why you have to have the sauce a little liquid because yeah. as the meatballs cook, and it only takes like 30 minutes, the meatballs start to absorb that extra liquid. They have all that rice in them. And they have rice in them. And then they also flavor the sauce. Rice takes on all of that tomato sauce. In return, those meatballs give all that delicious flavor back to the sauce. Uh, And it makes probably something to the parts of which are better than the whole is which I always forget the parts are the parts or some of the parts are whatever it is whatever the (laughs) saying is I think people know what we're trying to say and these meatballs are together and it comes together in a magical dish they're always tender they're never dry and then all you need is a good loaf of crusty bread although my grandmother served these a lot on mashed potatoes actually (gasps) oh my god 
gosh, that sounds amazing. So good. I love that. Okay, this is going to be on my list of things to make this week for sure. Okay, I have one last recipe to throw at you. And I'm going to tell you. I I don't know. You got to hold on to your seat because this is like coming out of left field, okay? Can't wait. As you know, I I don't think I've shared this here yet, but I just went to India and I went to India for a wedding, for an Indian wedding. I was at a wedding for four days. 1,200 people, lots of meals. This was one of the things that I ate there. It's called Manchurian, and Mm. it is a vegan meatball. It has both Indian and Chinese flavors in it. It's sort of an Indo-Chinese fusion dish. My friend and her family that I was with, everyone knew what Manchurian was except me. And I was like, wait, is this a meatball? Because I thought like everything here was vegetarian. Because they are vegetarians, and most food in their state is, is very vegetarian vegetarian-centric, if not always vegetarian. And they were like, oh yeah, it's a cabbage meatball. Oh my God. Really saucy. So almost like, I'm trying to think like a, like almost like a Swedish meatball or like, it's like a stir-fried meatball with this soy, ginger, garlic, and red pepper, spicy sauce. It's so delicious. Wait, and- wait, wait. I'm, I need to wrap my head around this. So it's like a meatball mixture made with like finely chopped cabbage that's cooked and then bound with things. Yes. And what's amazing about it is how incredibly light this meatball is, despite the fact that it's also stir fried in this really cool sauce. So when I did a little bit of research, I still have not made this meatball, but now I have such a flavor memory. You shred the cabbage and I think you drain it a little bit too. It seems like you add a little salt, you get some of the, in the way that when you're doing your latkes, like you let your potatoes sit a little bit and you try to drain some of the liquid out of them. But what the mix is, and this makes sense to me, is that it's a little bit of flour, but it's a lot of cornstarch. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that's what makes this sort of like crispy crust on the outside. And then this like cabbage, ginger, it seems like there's garlic. It seems like there's a lot of people who will add scallions and maybe some celery, some carrots. There's a little bit of sweetness to it too, in addition to the cabbage. And so it's very all very finely chopped. So you could do this in your food processor as well. You mix the mixture together with all the cornstarch and a little bit of flour, which keeps it all together. And then you fry them and then you stir fry them again in all of this sauce. So there's no egg. It's the cornstarch that binds it and then mixed with the moisture of the vegetables. Yes. Exactly. And so then they get thrown into a sauce or like they get thrown into a pan and brown and then you add a sauce. They get fried first so yeah. they're crispy. Then there's like this stir fry sauce that's almost like a gravy. I, and I feel like when you say gravy, that makes it sound like it's too heavy, but it has that glossy Chinese stir fry texture. Like, like it's a soy based sauce. It's a soy based sauce. It's dark. And then usually there's some chunks of vegetables in it. And what I found to be true in the two times that I had at it were the vegetables were in that were in it were more like red peppers or green bell peppers like a slightly savory and sweet and glossy and crunchy dish I mean it just hit all the spots and it was it was both times served as an appetizer but mm. I could easily make a full meal out of this with rice and some vegetables and like call it a night for sure but I'm just curious have you ever heard of this no but you had me at cabbage meatball yeah I, I mean yes. I can't think of a more perfect dish 
dish. I want you to make it. I want you to make it for me. I want to get on a plane and eat it. I'm excited to go down this road of experiencing that. My friend that I was with, my friend Jamie, she says she's made it before. She knows how to cook. She doesn't love to cook. And so she said the one mistake that she made was she didn't squeeze the um, cabbage of extra moisture. And that's a big thing. It's the same thing with a zucchini fritter. It's uh-huh. like if you don't take that step, it's just not ever going to – it's probably going to be gummy or too loose and not hold its shape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just – I I want to open it up to our listeners. Like if someone has experience in this place, we'd love if to If someone hear has you. a great recipe. Exactly. Yeah. Or if someone has tip, I'm going to do what I have really heard you saying that you do a lot, which is like watch some YouTube videos and see if I can take it's a swing. It's one of the greatest resources we have. It's unbelievable. I am sure, certain you can find many interesting videos. And if you find them, let's link them. And certainly yeah. if someone has a home recipe or tips, we just love hearing them. So DM us on Instagram, Food Friends Pod, or send us an email at foodfriendspod at gmail.com. Like I said, we always love hearing from anyone. Yes, for sure. Well, this was really fun. I love a meatball meal. Me too. There's so much to try here in this conversation. Well, have a great rest of your day. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Thank you.